<laughs> Starting off with a bang. Hey guys, give me the creeps. We are back. And Hello. um we have a series planned out for this month. It's actually interesting because this was the topic I was going to start the entire podcast with, and it was a rambling mess to take on this big of a story for the very first episode and Daniela knows I was talking like 100 miles an hour um nothing was computing so we're gonna give it another try and break it down week by week because there is a lot of information I didn't even cover as much as I would have wanted to this first episode but what I will say is if you want any more details there is an amazing podcast I'm just gonna start it from the get-go, from the jump, the cold podcast, a lot of people have already heard him cover the Susan Powell case, and it was definitely an inspiration for me to cover it as well. This is one of the most fascinating and devastating true crime things that could have happened in the United States, and we're going to see just at how many points he could have been caught, he could have been questioned. Yeah, so we're going to I'm just going to jump in because there's a lot to cover, like I said, and there's going to be discussion throughout and some going back and forth um, because, as we know, a lot of these things don't have – things don't get uncovered until after someone goes missing. So I'm going to be jumping around between journal entries and stuff. But like I said, there is a much much more detailed – telling of the very beginning to the very end through the cold podcast. And his name is Dave Cauley, who uh, covered the Susan Powell case where he even found people who knew Josh and Susan and would go and interview them. So like I said, there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of cool stuff um, over on his podcast. I used his podcast as well as Wikipedia. And let me find these sources real quick before I get started. I used kslnewsradio.com. Wikipedia, ktar.com, and the Susan Powell Foundation.net. Oh my god, it's so hot in here. Okay. I had to close the windows and like turn off the fan and everything so that I could be crystal clear. Uh, and yet I'm not still. But anyway, so Susan Marie Cox was born Enjoy on October 16th, 19th. Ooh. Hello. What happened? What'd you say? I Hello? always do this. I can hear you. Yeah, you uh, start sweating up. Oh yeah, whenever I'm like super nervous. And then the caffeine. Did you have caffeine today? Uh yeah, all day. Oh good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. We're in for crazy so. Ride. <laughs> and yeah, stop me at any time if something sounds confusing uh, or anything. So. Okay, <clears throat> Susan, <laughs> I'm taking my shirt off. Forget this. And <laughs> nobody half can naked. Just to be able to... Someone walks in and I'm recording, talking about this with no shirt on. Okay, you're having a hot flash. Okay. Just fucking talking. I am. This really grinds my gears. This is gonna heat everybody else up too as we go. Um. Okay. So Susan Marie Cox was born on October 16th, 1981 in Alamogordo, New Mexico. She was the third daughter of four born to Chuck and Judy Cox. And she grew up in Puyallup, Washington, a suburb of Seattle and Tacoma. She loved school. 
her friends, and choir. She was involved in her LDS church and eight days after graduating from high school, started school at the Jean Juarez Academy of Beauty. Every photo, yeah, she was very into makeup and she always had like, her hair was curled in different ways, different hairstyles. She was not afraid to go from blonde to red. Um, She's very vibrant in all the photos that are, that uh, capture her smile. She just seems like she radiates happiness. Um, Even the photos where she's not even looking at the camera, she just radiates joy all around her. So she is just a beautiful person inside and out. You can just tell. Um, Her sister, Denise, said, quote, she tried being rebellious, but had too good of a heart, end quote. Josh was 18 and a high school senior after his parents divorced, uh, and he relocated to Puyallup, Washington from Spokane, Washington. At this time, Susan was 12 and remembered seeing Josh, but Josh wasn't paying any attention to her because of her age. He Mm. played the piano at the Cox household, trying to impress Susan's older sister, Mary. So this was an interesting little fact that they realized after meeting themselves. So she hadn't dated a lot. Uh, But that changed when she turned 19. She was recently out of a relationship, but it wasn't too long or too serious of a relationship from what I'm finding. Um, Her LDS church members held events every now and then allowing for young Mormons to gather in their faith. Uh, Josh was hosting one of these dinners for his church peers and asked for a volunteer to help doing the dishes. He met Susan before at the Institute of Religion, um, and the Institute is basically an organization that provided religious education for young members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and she was the one to volunteer to help with dishes, and by the end of the evening, they shared their first kiss. So they had some deep dish-doing conversation, and... Uh, I guess they count that as their their beginning. In his journals, Josh often refers to how Susan treats him and how he feels he should be treated by someone who loves him, and she hit all the checks. He admired how she took the initiative to do his laundry and wash the dishes when she came over to his place. Cute, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> That's what you love about someone right away is that they take care of you. They take care of the things you should have been doing. Anyway, sorry. He had been that rejected is, by women. <laughs> Go that on. Is a douche canoe if I've ever fucking heard of one. <laughs> He's like, oh, great. A maid. Perfect. Someone um, take care of me. <laughs> so he's an interesting cat. I, I'm going to say interesting now because I haven't told you everything yet, but we're just going to keep gathering uh, information on Josh and we can just build on our, opin- our opinions of him, his glowing review. Um, So Josh Powell, carried by his self-confidence, caught Susan's attention. He had been looking for a potential partner for a while now. He was older at this point. This was the first time she fell in love, and it happened to be just out of a breakup. However, this love was not pure from Josh's end. And this is when I describe in his journals, Josh often refers to how Susan treats him, how he feels, how he should be treated by someone who loves him. He admired how she took the initiative to do the laundry, wash the dishes. And when she came over to his place, um, pick up what she could, start dusting. And he has actual voice recordings. He would document his journal entries as voice recordings sometimes. So it, uh, listening to the cold podcast, that is a definite plus, is listening to Josh himself um, pretty much describe how pathetic he is. Uh, it's just <laughs> great. So this is cute and everything. And he had been rejected by women before. His aggressive approaches often turned off women and honestly creeped them out. He would creep them out really easily by um, 
asking them out over and over again and they're trying to politely decline and he's just a douchebag. So he seems to be like an Elliot Roger type or even just to put it simply, the kind of guy who responds with, yeah, well, you're a dirty slut anyway when you say no thanks for grabbing dinner. Yeah, he seems like that kind of guy. Um, So by November 11th, 2000, Susan and Josh uh, count this as their first date. They go to see the perfect storm and grab some subway afterward. They were serious about each other right away and discussed getting married that night. She liked that he was mature, had his own place, a motorcycle, and was in school. And she liked that he was a Latter-day Saint. He documents one of his worst traits very thoroughly, which adds flame to the fire when thinking of all the cons that came with marrying a guy like Josh. You see, Josh lived in the moment, mostly when it came to buying tech toys and electronics. He didn't see the importance of saving money. He said his motto was, have, have more now. Things like TVs, camcorders, and computers, uh, just have them now. This logic allowed Josh to sink into heavy debt before he even met Susan. The University of Washington Tacoma Business School added more to his debt with his student loans since he didn't qualify for any kind of scholarship or uh, financial aid. Meanwhile, Susan is going to beauty school and making money cutting and coloring hair there at school, then heading to a second job at the JCPenney jewelry counter working late hours. And by this point, right before they get married, they are seeing each other every second that they're not busy. So she's practically living with Josh. Her parents don't know that she's this serious with this guy. They think she's still living with her sister, Mary. And if it's an excuse or not, we all, we know, we all know what that's like when you're in a new relationship and you're like going to school, going to work, and then going right over to their house to eat or whatever together. And she used the reasoning about not wanting to live with her sister anymore, uh, being that her sister had liquor in the fridge and uh, cursed and things like that. So it wasn't a very Mormon setting that she wanted to thrive in. She'd rather, you know, clean up Josh's apartment and think about how much debt she's going to be in when she marries him. Hey, I'm not blaming her. She's in love. She's 19. He's like 24, 25 at this point. Um, And Josh had no... yeah, I'm pretty sure she did. I Because what would happen would be he wouldn't have money for things and she would just pay for it. And this is very well documented in that cold series as well. So if you really want to know the depths that Josh stoops right away, um, even when they just started dating, go over and listen to that. So Because it's just really embarrassing. And it's sad that she's just such a kind person that she's willing to... Um, pay whatever he needs if he gets like a parking ticket or something I'm sure she'll she pays it so that's why she's working so hard so that she can not only take care of herself but pull Josh out of debt and start a family and start a life with him so at this point they're very serious about each other uh Josh just has other ways around you know about doing uh being with her and stuff so he had no shame admitting that he loved how much she worked and here's the best part He said he didn't want to get her a nice big ring to attract thieves. He wanted a nice modest ring with the best quality diamond. But here's what he did. He actually went to her jewelry counter at the JCPenney saying that he intended on getting his mother a gift. He asked her to buy it for him with her discount and then turned around and like surprised her with it for their engagement ring. But she had no idea. So when he buys it, he buys the ring or I should say she buys the ring and he has to pay her back. She has no idea that it's her own uh, supposedly he did uh but she had no idea that it was her own ring that she was picking out i mean if you're shopping for someone else you're not going to pick something you would like i mean let's be honest 
I'm not gonna wear something. Mom, so she's like, yeah, she thought it was for her mother-in-law. Yeah, her future mother-in-law. So she's like, okay, whatever. So she picks out the ring, um, and she continues working. He leaves, yada yada. I'm guessing to set all of this up that I'm about to describe. So Susan meets Josh outside of his apartment after work. He wraps a T-shirt around her head and take takes her to his apartment, brings her inside, and takes the blindfold off. There are a dozen white roses and a large drawing of the Portland temple uh, leaned up against his futon and the church's hymn, Families Can Be Together Forever, played softly in the background. He also had a camcorder recording in the corner. Uh, He had her recite one of the church's scriptures having to do with marriage and then he read a poem that he had written about marriage when he was only 18. He reads that to her. Then he kneels and proposes with the ring that he paid her back for, all on camera. Okay. I guess that's cute. Okay. The shit that went down didn't happen. Right. It was very like a movie scene. Um, so this almost reminds me of whenever uh Chris Humphreys is trying to like propose to Kim and she makes him redo it. Oh, but she and he does do it right because the camera. Yeah, he does. It. That's what the camera crew. Yeah, that's what the camera crews catch. He wanted. I guess he had done it in private, and she was like, "But the cameras." Yeah, hilarious. Anyways, stupid. <laughs> I know. Why? Hey, I don't know? stand. I don't stand the Kardashians anymore after this tequila business. But what tequila business? Kendall has. Okay, people are gonna call me a hypocrite because of The Rock and other actors having their own tequila. But Kendall is literally using Mexican people for props in her marketing for her 818 tequila brand not mm-hmm. to mention caitlin jenner being ultra conservative and probably you know for building the wall and stuff i just can't i'm sorry oh Cannot. i see i think i actually remember hearing that. they put little braids on kendall i can't stop it stop it really do not go watch the commercial anyways Sorry, guys. So basically, Susan had clean credit. Josh did not. She's taking care of the bills even before they're married. Um, so she says, yes, they're engaged, whatever. The families are not so gr- not so happy about it. Uh, Josh's family doesn't really have much to say, whatever. He's older, but her family was nervous about it because she's only 19. They're moving really fast. He seems very flighty. He's not trying to put in the effort to get to know them. It just seems sketchy already to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're engaged at this point, And by April of 2001, they were married. She was 19. He was 25. Uh, Josh's only other serious relationship was with a woman who was 19 when she began dating Josh as well. Her name is Catherine. And she, too, met Josh at an LDS-related event in 1998. And they dated for a total of 16 months, moving in together after a year of dating. In their relationship, which was she was willing to open up about after seeing what her ex was capable of, um, and as we will find out in this series, she says how he was controlling uh, with her money and refused to be affectionate. He grew more and more controlling of over where she went and uh, what she spent, even though she made her own money. Um, it just got out of hand. So these were signs of abuse. And they were not actually the first signs that something was wrong with Josh. So we're actually going to jump back in time a little more. So Josh was born January 20th, 1976 to Stephen and Terry Powell. He had an older sister named Jennifer at that time. And the family was part of the Church of Latter-day Saints. He was born into it. So 
Um, so his habits and perspectives developed pretty far back in uh, his childhood. They were disturbing signs that Josh had issues from an early age. People around him also influenced his ideas and opinions, specifically his father, Stephen Powell. So let's talk about Stephen Craig Powell for a second. Josh's father... Um, who loved documenting daily life. So this is probably where Josh got it from. It's like his own little show that he's filming. He loved documenting his daily life with photos and videos, and people around him would often be recorded, whether it was to their knowledge or not. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, Josh was baptized into the Church of LDS when he was eight by his father, Steve, although he didn't even have the credentials or the... um, whatever the word is for that in the church to be able to do that. He just took it upon himself to baptize him into the church, even though he wasn't even supposed to. (laughs) So I guess it doesn't even, it doesn't even count. I'm assuming. I'm not sure. I know. And it's even more interesting considering that Stephen had gone apostate by this time. So he was completely not interested in being a good Mormon. Uh, Stephen kept a journal. Yeah, he was not, he was completely like, he didn't believe in the LDS church. He wasn't trying to be involved in it, but yet he wanted to be the one to baptize Josh into it. So his wife was very into it and his older daughter was very into it. But starting with Josh, uh, Stephen kind of started uh, tightening his grip around the kids, trying to steer them away from Mormonism. But uh, we'll discuss that more later. Uh, and also Stephen kept a journal and here's where he put his darkest secrets. Not only does he open up about hating the Mormon religion, but his desires for his eldest daughter, Jennifer. The detailed lust will make you sick um, oh with God. all these journal entries discussing what she was wearing and how he just like can't even handle it that his daughter's like walking around in a bra, like things like oh that, just God. sickening. Dude, honestly. So yeah, over on the Cold Podcast, you can hear more about that. So he told his kids that humans were, he would, this is the kind of logic he would have. And he would just um, impulsively tell his kids this, not considering their ages or like a correct way to tell them this kind of stuff. But he told his kids that humans were just animals and that they should be able to have sex with whoever they want whenever excuse me right it was very vague like i don't think he should be teaching his kids that kind of stuff um terry found another journal and read entry after entry about stephen being happy to take in the wife of his friend and um when she confronted him about this he said he admitted yeah he would be happy to uh, take in the wife should anything happen to the husband he'd be happy to raise her kids and take care of her the journal held two years worth of explicit fantasies about said wife. And this is all the all while Terry is eight months pregnant. I believe with their with Josh's brother John. She's eight months pregnant at this time, and Josh is in the fifth grade. And this was kind of the first big bump in Terry and Steve Powell's marriage kind of pointing the finger to Stephen being a disturbed individual. I really wish she would have found the journal talking about her daughter because it would have been it would have been on and oh, popping. Yes. Um because that is I'm not saying any is wor- is worse or whatever, but that's his biological daughter. She's the oldest. Like this is getting into dangerous territory with him and minors. It's kind of opening the gates to him realizing he's attracted. You know what I'm saying to like younger yeah. Mm-hmm. girl it's just very predatory so disgusting obviously the the mom has no idea so josh is in the fifth grade uh josh loved the boy scouts but because it was sponsored by the church steven mocked steve mocked josh until he quit that's so fucked up 
Yeah, he would really say super derogatory things about Mormons and how the scripture is BS and just horrible things that are just very opinionated. He should have kept it to himself. So he pretty much scared him away from things that he loved, like science and building and things that would have kept his brain occupied. And so now Josh doesn't have Boy Scouts anymore. Terry stayed uh, through this and the final straw was her catching. I'm not sure if Jennifer came to her mom with this or if she caught him telling Jennifer this stuff, but Steve was trying to tell Jennifer that the church was wrong. All the scripture was wrong. And um, it was just a very big turning point for Jennifer and Terry. And they now knew that Stephen wasn't shit and they moved out. Um, He began actively campaigning against the LDS church at this point. And Josh, okay, this is when it really starts heating up. Josh was 13 when he killed his four-year-old, four-year-old sister Elena's pet gerbils. And then he forced her to touch the blood. And oh she was four God. and he was 13. So just let that sink in. Traumatizing. Ooh, that reminds me of we need to talk about Kevin. Dude, did you see it? Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's intense. Oh, yeah, we've talked about it before. Mm. Horrible. So, yeah, from a very young age, people start showing these kinds of signs. And if they go untreated, it just gets out of control, out of hand. So he kills her pet gerbils, has her put her hands in the blood. Very traumatizing moment for the little sister, I'm sure. But at that age, he had also threatened his mother with a butcher knife and was also caught examining Elena with his brother, John. What? Yes. I'm not sure if she was undressed or um, she w- he was just caught by the mother, I believe, um, examining her. So all of that is, is detailed in that, in that podcast, if you want to hear more about that. Um, and he was 14 when he tried to actually hang himself, leaving a rope burn on his neck. So yes, it's very troubled, a very troubled childhood, a very... Uh, I wouldn't even know what to call it. It just seems very scary for a parent, I would assume, if they're paying attention and if they care. Mm -hmm. But I'm pretty sure because um, I forget what age it was when they divorced finally. I feel like it was when he was much older. So the mom was living separately, but they're married at this point. Um, He was forced into counseling after his attempted suicide. And... um, Now I'm going to jump back to the wedding. Chuck and Judy Cox thought it was fast. Josh knew he had to win them over and he felt like it was doable. So it was just like a challenge for him to get his new wife's parents to like him. Uh, Josh and Susan Powell are married on April 6, 2001 in the Portland, Oregon temple. Josh invited his father, Steve. However, he was turned away from entering the temple, and so were Josh's siblings, um, besides Jennifer, because Jennifer at this point is still a devout Mormon. Uh, She's very into the LDS church. She had even gotten married in that same temple. And there's uh, recorded evidence that Josh is aspiring to have a marriage and family like his older sister. So he's very much trying to fit the mold of what he thinks is success by using his sister as a template. Mm -hmm. So he's getting married in the same place and everything, thinking that everything's going to be fine. But his... Most of his family members are not even uh, allowed in, so it was awkward. And then um, Susan was the provider for the new family after they got married. Well, I actually will mention that the footage from the wedding, people had stated this, and it, it was obvious in the footage as well, that Josh was very, like, not about Susan at their wedding. He was very, like, look at me, and, uh, oh, also, I'm going to be taking a bunch of pictures of my family hanging out. 
doing whatever. Like it was just like a, a middle school dance for him What the where fuck? he brought a date. It, it wasn't really like his wedding where it's like, this is my wife. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, he was, yeah, he would like disappear. And like, then she'd be like agitated because they have things that they have to do for their reception. And yeah. So people did notice that at the wedding. Uh, and then after the wedding, it's stressful because he has no money. He's going to school. She's working and going to school. Um, and she's the sole provider for their family. And even before they were married, she had bought him things that he wanted, like new computer parts and stuff. So he's already used to this, taking advantage of her, taking her paycheck. Uh, and his ex, Catherine, that would happen too. He would take her paycheck and who knows what would happen to it. And these women, you know, they were fine with it because, you know, this is their partner. And they're like, okay, well, why would he be doing this if it's not for our benefit, you know? Um, I don't know. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to make it sound logical because right away I'd be like, um, the fuck you are not taking my paycheck. The right. Um, so yeah. Anyway. And it's interesting because he's not, you know, into drugs or anything like that. So it's like how deep in debt can someone, you know, cause you to be without even having it be over an addiction or something like that, you know? Well, his addiction was This guy just doesn't care. Yeah, he just doesn't care about uh Tomorrow, he just wants a computer today or whatever the hell he said. So she's buying him things that he wants. And she had been practically living with him before they got married. But upon moving in for real, they were evicted eight months later after a dispute with their landlord. And she kicks into gear and is like, we need to save up for a house. I want a house to call my own. I want to have kids. So they decide to um, move in with Steve for a little bit. Uh, And this is when it gets wacky as fuck like disturbing so on one occasion i will mention this too that on one occasion right before they got married uh josh had refused to drive her home during a fight it was over her something over something like she misprinted something on their marriage license and he got upset about about that and she was like well you need to be helping more that kind of thing and he mentions in his voice recordings that there was a darkness within himself that he could feel kind of emerging and so he just let her blow off steam but he didn't take her home so it kind of like prolonged the fight and uh, he made her wait in the car while he made copies and I think this is the first and only time that he admitted to having some kind of like I don't know if it was a rage or if it was some kind of um but I don't know he said something about upsetting the devil with that with that argument or something for some reason but this was right before they got married and yet they still got married so I don't know um so After the wedding, Josh is working on a bachelor's in business at the University of Washington, Tacoma, and he did odd jobs here and there and would sometimes hold a job for a little while here and there. Um, And to save up for the house, the newlyweds move in with Stephen Powell in South Hill, Washington. And this is when the recordings are just like day to day. He's constantly having his camcorder recording Susan. Even when Josh is in the room and it seems to be like a family affair, he's very focused on Susan with the camera. And Susan, yeah, I can't. Susan was visibly uncomfortable in most of the recordings that Stephen took of her. But I feel like the casualness... uh, and lacks that Josh gave off while being present uh, for these home videos made Susan feel like she would be overreacting if she said anything, you know, like, Mm -hmm. can you stop or whatever? Um, And the oxygen series, you can find that on YouTube. I used that as well. Uh, They had experts and like psychologists and stuff break down how Steven was talking, like how he would be narrating and how he would, uh, you know, be so fixated on Susan during these. So if you guys want to check that out, go ahead and, Go look on the Oxygen Network 
or on YouTube and find the Oxygen series because that was also disturbing to uh, watch only his clips of what he would say about Susan while recording her. And she had no idea like why he was really recording her for later reasons. So uh, she didn't say anything. You can just see how she's uncomfortable, but she would just kind of play it off and be a good sport about it. Little did she know that he had enough of her stuff in a secret place to file 100 restraining orders, in my opinion. Um, so she's oh, living, okay. under, she yeah, could've. she's like living under his, yeah, she could have filed a restraining order if she would have found all this stuff. But at this point they're living under the same roof and she has no idea that it goes past the point of him just recording, recording her for long periods of time. So, um, at this point, it's no secret that Stephen dabbles with directing his own little home movies. However, he, he has extreme voyeuristic tendencies that give way to an obsession with Susan. So he'll do things like record her getting off work and like follow her home, record her getting home, like stuff where she for sure has no idea he's recording her. And he like zooms in on her legs and he's like, she wore that dress for me. She knows I'm watching. Like he justifies it in his head because he's so delusion disillusioned to what they're really relationship is that he thinks that she like loves it so he's not only recording her without her noticing and zooming in on features that he enjoys of hers but he is going through her dirty laundry and taking what he wants what a fucking creep right and of course a lot of this is after the fact knowledge so i'm throwing it in here and there but um uh, so at this point, he's going through her dirty laundry and taking her soiled like underwear and stuff. And then he would replace what he took with a new duplicate. But Susan noticed and told Josh, who in turn told Steve indirectly. I mean, who else could it be? I'm sure. I mean, his siblings are living under the same roof, too. But I'm sure they had a feeling who it was. So a journal entry from January 11th, 2003 read, Josh called and said it appeared that someone was going through her laundry, as in Susan's laundry, and she didn't like it. So she wanted to me she wanted me to keep her hamper out of sight of the other boys. The fox is in the hen house, as they say. That's what Steve said. And another entry from the same date reads: What I've written about Susan represents the first time I've mentioned fetishes and what might be considered sociopathic. I mean, who looks under the bathroom door with a mirror? I tend to think a lot of guys do. Steve wrote, yeah, he tried to really play it off like this is normal behavior. His documentation often has him uh, giving himself permission to record her. He is um, saying that she likes the unknown attention that she's getting. And uh, I watched an abuse expert along with others break down his recorded behavior on the Oxygen series that I mentioned. And he fully dressed a pillow in her clothing and was like recording him, like talking to it and like touching it. Oh no. Dude, it goes, it goes like that. Like, it's like what part of his brain is, it's almost like childlike pretending, you know, like playing house, except the other person doesn't know that it's going on. Super creepy. Yeah. That is extremely creepy. He's in his fifties. He's his little smile. Like it's just, he's a creepy guy. So when you see him, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, but this was still just the tip of the iceberg. You see, he was even taking her used pads, tampons, tissues, and hair from her hairbrush and saving them in bags, marking the date on each collectible item. Why? What? What? Dude. And I'm saying, like, literally all of this stuff was in his house. Like, they had no idea he had all this stuff until after um, she goes missing and it's just outrageous that he was able to to do all of this stuff and they had no idea that he 
he had done it. So, and he's using a mirror, like he admitted under the door to see her getting in the shower. Um, just things like that. Super. Ugh. And creating entire songs dedicated to her under a pseudonym online. Ew. What? Yes. His, if you thought him just talking and existing was creepy, you haven't heard him sing yet. <laughs> Which I might open the next episode with his his infamous song, um, Wake Up Little Susie. It's about her. And he's extremely infatuated with her. Like, this isn't just surface level. He really is hoping that she divorces Josh because he's shitty. He even says that about his own son. Like, Josh doesn't save any money. He's making stupid choices. He has no idea what he has. Um, I would take such good care of Susan. So it's like, okay, maybe she should give this guy a chance. No, I'm just kidding. Fuck. <laughs> He really um, thought he really thought that she was gonna leave the song. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? He's waiting for the right time to shoot his shot, which is gonna be here soon. Um, so here we go. Nobody knew all of his secret um collectibles and stuff until after she goes missing, of course. And guys, if someone is giving you the heebie jeebies, have someone you trust look through their things. People like this require physical items or trophies to get off, so you're bound to find something creepy in one of their drawers. Yeah. I mean, we're hoping not, but this is what this is the kind of investigating. Um people, you know, creep on Facebook. I say go through their damn drawers when you go over there because who knows? This went on at a level that he could get away with until 2003 when he finally confessed his feelings for Susan while recording. The audio captured her stern rejection of his feelings. Finally, Susan could give Josh a serious reason for them to leave that was concrete enough for him. I'm thinking that they had already been out of his house. They had an apartment in um, the word, uh, the place starts with a with a why he says it in this uh, recording that I'm going to play, play for you, but they're living in another little town nearby uh, in an apartment at this point while they're looking for a more permanent job for Josh. Mm -hmm. So this opportunity to confess his strong feelings came when Josh and Susan went to a trucking firm in Kent, Washington for Josh to get some training. Uh, they were considering moving to Colorado where he would um, be driving big trucks uh, Stephen came along too, and as Josh practiced driving a semi, Steve offered to drive Susan to her parents' house in South Hill, and she agreed. So they're alone in his minivan, and unfortunately for Steve, his camcorder didn't stop recording when he put it in the bag. Not sure if this was on purpose, um, but the rejection was documented with the microphone the microphone catching everything. And I'm about to play the... Uh, I'm not sure if he was if he was trying to be slick and record the moment that he does, you know, confesses his love for her, or if he he meant to turn off the camera and it just really did catch what he was doing. Okay. Relax or whatever, and it'll just move from one thing to another. And, uh, I, I'm probably wrong, but I, I, I've really fallen in love with you. Um, and that's what I'm Six months ago, 
was just, I, I mean, I, I know that, I mean, I, it was a massage, right? But, it, but, you know, just being with you for two hours and holding you, and, uh, anyway. She was quiet for like a long time after he mentioned massa- giving her a massage in Yakima. Maybe, I, maybe I'm getting the wrong signals from you. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm interpreting something that I shouldn't be interpreting. Um, you know, it just, for example, when we were sitting on the couch, it just felt like you were very, um, you know, I mean, I was extremely aroused and I think you were somewhat aroused, at least I thought. I don't know where you're going with this. Susan, I don't... I, I, yeah, well, I'll tell you what I'm wearing. I'm married to your son, and I should just be the daughter-in-law. I know. She puts me a step beneath your own children. What the fuck? Okay. And that's where I'm comfortable. Okay. okay. I was kind of meaning to talk to you about this. I realized the last time I came over that my own father, and not to be mean to him about it, because everyone treats everyone differently, but my own father doesn't kiss me. He, you know, as of like six years ago, maybe just started getting in the habit of saying, I love you, and my mom also. My family is not that uh, vocal and physical with showing their emotion mainly as to tease someone to show that you care about them. Yeah. You know, which I think is what most, is the first level that most people use, you know, your co-workers, you tease them because you like hanging out with them. And I was just thinking about the last time that my own father doesn't kiss me and you, you kiss me and I didn't like that. Okay. So she tries to tie it into her background of not like being used to it. She's being as gentle as possible because as the host pointed out, she's being driven by him. She has no real power. She can't like just get out or, you know, leave the room. She's in a van with him um, on a highway. So that is just, I can't imagine how uncomfortable that was for her to, you know, reject his pass at her while they're in such close proximity um, but he shot his shot and he mentioned the massage that he gave her at their apartment in Yakima, but he doesn't admit to her that he had <laughs> recorded a long video as he undressed, um, detailing that massage and how it was for him. Um, but of course she, um, tells Josh and I don't think she oh was God. as nice about it, but oh my gosh. Yeah. She was I don't like know how I would have been nice to him about it. <laughs> I don't know what I would have said. That yeah, is just I so awkward. I would have probably been really fucking mean about it, but. <laughs> uh, so, um, her 50 year old father-in-law just threw it all out on the table and here she is 21 years old, just married to this guy's son. And she's got to like sit there and politely decline. Um, So after that, Josh and Susan moved to an apartment in West Valley City, Utah, um, in another state, with Susan taking a job with Wells Fargo Investments. After they moved, Steve got to visit and would take the opportunity to take Susan's personal journals um, to make digital copies of them. So he's still trying to, like, gather as much about Susan as he can. 
Little does he know this all backfires later, but um, mm-hmm. his feelings were hurt when he saw that she had not written about him. Yeah, his whole world re- revolves around her, and she can't even dedicate like one entry where she's not talking bad about him. Um, he said, I am almost a footnote, Steve wrote in one journal entry, and with all the other negative comments about me, she doesn't mention a word about my sexual proclivities, which include taking video clips of her from head to foot. Yep, dude. Um, he said, what not to mention fuck? the countless journal entries, um, wishing they'd divorce so he could have Susan all to himself, in addition to all of the sexual daydreams that he wrote about um, involving Susan. So... But this is the cherry on the on this slice of the cake. He gave her a massage with the two, when the two were alone um, uh, in her and Josh's apartment, and he rubbed her legs, arms, shoulders, and um, in her head, I guess maybe it was like a nice favor that she couldn't like turn down because it's like why would she? I don't know. Or maybe he just started massaging her, and she just was like, okay, whatever. Um, but. She, she probably just felt pressured to like let him do that, but who knows? Well, that night, Steve recorded a video of himself recount- recounting the experience in detail as he had undressed, as I mentioned. And it's a literal video, so you can watch him look into the camera, slowly describing what it was like for him um, as he removes articles of clothing. Very disturbing, very creepy. She did what she could to avoid seeing Steve at all whenever he crossed the line which I'm assuming was after he confessed his love for her, but I can't find the timeline. I'll have to update next episode where exactly she wants Josh to cut him off because I later, I remember her later being uh, filled with rage that Josh didn't cut him off after a certain point. But I was like, what line uh, was it that he had to cross for, for him to be mad, you know, that his dad was, you know, making moves on his wife? Um, I don't remember. So next time I'll have to bring up at right. what point she expected Josh to cut him out of his life, his own father, for being a nasty pervert. But uh, although they were far from Steve now, sadly, this was only the beginning uh, of Susan Cox Powell's troubles. Next time we are going to dissect the marital issues that began breaking Susan's hope for a happy family. Uh, and they started right away whenever they moved away. So it was just a, a long time that she had to endure a horrible marriage, a horrible family relationship, not knowing what to do about it. She did, she did not want to divorce. We'll discuss why that is. We'll discuss how her faith is what really kept her going and her family, which she's going to have two sons. So we're going to discuss all of that next time. I didn't want to start that chapter now knowing that I wasn't going to have time to finish that chapter of this. So I'll leave that for episode two. But um, what did you think about all the creepiness from the get-go here? Oh my god, dude. That she had some fucking strength, dude. But I could just it makes me sad because not only all the other shit that happens to her, but like she was so young that she just didn't she just didn't know how to make that stop you know what I mean like she didn't know how to go about it safely I guess I know what you mean yeah she was very nice about everything um just to try to keep the peace and I feel like in a way being a a young woman who got married and moved away it's it's comes with like a sense of pride where you don't want to admit to your parents like 
okay, this is shitty. This is not going well at all. Like we're in debt. Like I'm sure she didn't tell her parents all this stuff. Uh, So it's just tough. It's just really sad. Like you said that she was so young trying to make it all work, thinking that this is how it's going to go. She can fix it. This is part of marriage, you know, all the hardship. And when you love someone, it's just going to work out. So we're going to see that that was her mindset throughout this entire ordeal, even coming to the end of what a lot of people believe was the end of her life. We still are not sure. I'm only mentioning this stuff because a lot of people are already familiar with the case, but it's kind of a a spoiler situation for people who don't know what goes on. But Susan Powell does end up going missing. Her body has still not been found. The investigation goes all over the place. People are upset about zero arrests being made, especially um, because they could have prevented another tragic event from happening that has to do with this very story. So we're going to touch on that within the next few weeks. I didn't want to make this one too long. It was more like an entry on what Susan is getting is getting involved in, what she's getting herself into by choosing this person to marry. And she doesn't know, you know, that it's all going to end this way. And that's what's so yeah. sad about it. So Um, I would really like to hear what you guys think about this so far. If there's anything I didn't touch on enough with the, it was really hard to find a lot of her early life. I found a few of her friends' names and I'm going to put a few of their statements in the story throughout, but I can't find like who were her high school friends. Like I wanted to know more about her because it's about her after all. And all of this scandal just like overshadows, which that happens every time. I know we're ready to get to like the true, the true crime portion of um, these episodes, but it's really important to, you know, look into the foundations of everything. And like I said, Josh has a lot of background. He freaked out a lot of girls that he was trying to date. So the cold podcast does a great job of listing them out and giving their, their part of the story. And like, what exactly was it about Josh that just rubbed them the wrong way? Like they knew to get out of it as soon as possible. Um, Catherine, like I said, was his ex-girlfriend. He started dating in 1998 and she knew that this was not a good relationship after she, saw what it was like living with him and everything. She saw her family and friends less and less. So at one point she just drives out of town while they're on a break and she's with somebody else. And she's like, put my stuff in storage and I'll come get it. So she, she had to be really tough and brave and put her foot down. So if you want to hear her story, the cold podcast has that, uh, I believe episode one or two. Um, the first two episodes are basically what I covered with, Steve being so creepy and Susan getting to know Josh and how, uh, how much, you know, debt he was already in and how she was carrying the, the weight of their relationship from the beginning. So, uh, I give a lot of credit to that podcast. He did a good job. Um, and like I said, the oxygen series, the Wikipedia, and she has a foundation page that her family and friends update, um, on the daily. So if you're interested uh, in jumping ahead before we cover all of the missing, information and stuff for Susan. You can go ahead and check that out. Um, but yeah, this is going to be sad all over again. It will just break your heart um, listening to how it all ends up. For sure. But anyway, as we... Well, yeah. um, I know I forget. I, something else I, I smoke so much weed, my memories just... <clears throat> go on. Remember. Remember, Winnie. Remember. Oh, stop it. <laughs> Did you know that they're going to make a second one? I have heard the news. Joyous, joyous news. Yes. Very exciting. 
a big year for um, horror. I went to see A Quiet Place Part 2. Oh, was it good? Yes. It was a very powerful film. I definitely recommend it. I want to see it. I heard a rumor that oh. uh, that guy went to Houston and watched it with the rest of the audience. The John Krasinski, the director. Oh, yeah. That would have been... I would have lost my mind. Mega crush on that guy. Oh, yeah, I definitely would have lost my mind, too. I don't have a mega crush, but it would be nice. To You're see starstruck. Yes. Um, have you seen Army of the Dead on Netflix? Not yet. I've been saving that. Dude, I haven't felt like I've seen a good movie to where, like, I need popcorn and, like... Enjoyable. Yes, like, I was super excited for, like, Friday night movie, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, of course. I haven't felt that way in a really long time about movies, and I didn't think that that movie was going to be that way, but it was exactly that way. Yay. Like, I literally felt like I had been waiting for this movie, like, for months, but I didn't – I literally had just – Heard about it, yeah. Randomly found it, yeah. Weird. Yeah, it looks like, like oh, a lot of fun. Um, it is good. I've been hearing mixed reviews, but I, I guess it depends on what people's expectations are. I just like to have a good time sometimes. I don't need it to be deep or – you know, anything to analyze, but that looks like a fun right. movie, so I'm excited. It was not bad. Um, it was two hours long, and I thought I was gonna not enjoy it because of that. I was like, oh, they're gonna just drag shit out, but it was it was really good, and I also good times. But um, it was really good. I do suggest watching that one. Awesome. There was something else I was gonna say. So that about wraps up episode one, or I should say part one of the Susan Cox Powell case. We're going to keep it going the next few weeks um, to cover the entire case. Thank you guys for joining us again after our little break last week. We're going to keep it going next week with part two of Susan Cox Powell. Let us know what you think over on our Instagram at Gimme the Creeps, G-I-M-M-E, the Creeps on Instagram and on Twitter. Shoot us a DM if you have a creepy experience that you want us to share on here. Um, and Or if you have someone that you know that has a story to share that creeped them out, having to do with paranormal, true crime, anything related to those topics shoot it to us and we will read it on the podcast for you um take care and see you guys next week so did we give you the creeps